Hi, and welcome to Berry Aftercare, the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Connie Stapleton. This is episode 70, Sleep and Your Weight. The information I recently learned about sleep as it relates to our health and weight has decidedly got me rethinking the importance of sleep in my life. Bariatric patients often have one or more health comorbidities to include diabetes, sleep apnea, cardiovascular issues, and hypertension. Wait until you hear how getting less than eight hours of sleep a night impacts those very same health conditions. The combination of comorbidities related to the disease of obesity and not getting enough sleep is alarming. Listen in, being sure to share this podcast with everyone you know, because really, how many people regularly get at least eight hours of sleep a night? If you listen to this information, you're likely to put more effort into getting more sleep than you do now. Check it out. And for more information, read the book that all of these facts come from. The information about the book is in the podcast notes. Thanks for listening. And please join Berry Aftercare to get a great deal more information at www.berryaftercare.com. Thanks so much. Welcome to Barry Aftercare. It is good to be back. I was gone last week. We had spring break. Um, I got myself some kind of a rash. So my face is plastered with this awesome stuff I heard about at a bariatric support group. And it is called Aquaphor Spray. Now you can't spray it right on your face, but you spray it in your hand and rub it on your rash, man. Oh my gosh. It's nice. Anyway, today I'm going to be talking about something that's critical to all of us, bariatric or otherwise. So share this with your friends because there is some critical information in this topic tonight. And it's all information that I got out of a book called Why We Sleep, The New Science of Sleep and Dreams. And I'm including this as part of Barry Aftercare because there's a lot of science that links links the critical importance of getting enough sleep to maintaining a healthy weight. So I'm going to talk about that, but I'm also going to share with you some remarkable, shocking information about sleep. Now, I've never been one to sleep enough. I guarantee you that. And there's a little quiz, not a little quiz, just a question that the author asks and see if it pertains to you. I'll get to that. But one of the, me- the, the most important things is, and this is a quote that the author, who is Matthew Walker, he quotes another man named E. Joseph Crossman. The best bridge between despair and hope is a good night's sleep. We've heard that since we were children in other ways, right? Go to bed, sleep on it. You'll feel better in the morning. So true. I'm going to repeat that. The quote is by a man named E. Joseph Cosman, C-O-S-S-M-A-N. The best bridge between despair and hope is a good night's sleep. So if you're feeling despair, go to bed, get some sleep. You'll feel better when you wake up. 
All right. I'm going to read a lot of quotes from this book because they're so startling to me and they pertain to each and every one of us. And if you're someone who has struggled with the disease of obesity, you're going to see how much more impactful these statistics are in terms of your health because you're adding the disease of obesity, which has its own health consequences to some of these related to sleep. So the book has a quote, listen to this. Here's how it goes. Again, Matthew Walker, the book is called Why We Sleep, The New Science of Sleep and Dreams. Quote, amazing breakthrough. Scientists have discovered a revolutionary new treatment that makes you live longer. It enhances your memory and makes you more creative. It makes you look more attractive. It keeps you slim and lowers food cravings. It protects you from cancer and dementia. It wards off colds and the flu. It lowers your risk of heart attacks and stroke, not to mention diabetes. You'll even feel happier, less depressed, and less anxious. Are you interested? Well, you can guess by the title of this topic and the name of the book that we're talking about sleep. And there's been a lot, a lot, a lot of science, experiments, information, And he says, this is another quote, after 30 years of intensive research, we can now answer many of the questions posed earlier. The recycle rate of a human being is around 16 hours. After 16 hours of being awake, the brain begins to fail. Human human beings need more than seven hours of sleep each night to maintain cognitive performance. After 10 10 days of just seven hours of sleep, oh my God, if I were to get seven hours of sleep every day, that'd be a miracle, right? After 10 days of just seven hours of sleep as opposed to eight, the brain is as dysfunctional as it would be without going, without sleep for 24 hours. Three full nights of recovery sleep, meaning three nights, more nights than are in a weekend, are not sufficient to restore performance back to normal levels after a week of short sleeping. Finally, the human mind cannot accurately sense how sleep deprived it is when it's sleep deprived. So how about that? We think if we're getting seven hours of sleep a night, we are doing good. But if you just get seven hours of sleep for at least 10 days, It's saying your brain is as mushy as it would be if you'd gone without sleep for 24 hours. This is frightening. And what you're going to hear about from the rest of this book is even more frightening. When you think about the health disservices, that isn't even a word, I don't think, but how we damage our health by not getting enough sleep, enough sleep being at least eight hours. You're not going to like this. Okay, check this out. Routinely sleeping less than six or seven hours of night demolishes, strong word there, demolishes your immune system more than doubling your risk for cancer. That's terrifying. So if you sleep less than six or seven hours of night, you then more than double your risk of cancer. Now think about if you also have the disease of obesity. 
The disease of obesity greatly increases your chances of cancer. So if you have the disease of obesity and you also sleep less than six or seven hours a night, you're really putting yourself at risk for cancer. The physical and mental impairments caused by one night of bad sleep dwarf those caused by an equivalent absence of food or exercise. So, you know, we're talking about as bariatric patients, we want you to eat healthy. We want you to get exercise. All human beings should be eating healthy and getting exercise. But it says that the physical and mental impairments caused by one night of bad sleep dwarf those caused by not having enough food or exercise. So sleep is critical, you guys. All this new research, this book is so packed with information. Here we go. The shorter you sleep, the shorter your life. The leading causes of disease and death in developed nations, diseases that are crippling healthcare systems, such as heart disease, obesity, dementia, diabetes, and cancer, all have recognized causal links to a lack of sleep. So our sleep deprivation is clearly now being linked to obesity, heart disease, dementia, diabetes, cancer. Here's some more interesting and unsettling information. It is disquieting to learn that vehicular accidents caused by drowsy driving exceed those caused by alcohol and drugs combined. Terrifying. Exceed those caused by alcohol and drugs combined. And that's not a little number. So if you're driving while drowsy, seriously, pull over. Sleep is the single most effective thing we can do to reset our brain and body health each day. Mother Nature's best effort yet at contra death. I really like that. So the best thing we can do for ourselves, right? Even more important than eating right and getting exercise is getting enough sleep. This book, when I saw it and I saw some of these quotes, has really, really started to change the way I think about sleep. All right. Inadequate sleep, even moderate reductions for just one week disrupts blood sugar levels so profoundly that you could be classified as pre-diabetic. Now think about those of you who struggle with the obesity and how that's affecting your blood level sugars, right? Blood sugar levels. I knew that didn't sound right. Inadequate sleep also disrupts blood sugar levels. And in some cases, so profoundly that a person could be classified as being pre-diabetic only because of sleep. Never mind your weight. We're going to get to the weight-specific stuff in just a few minutes, but I think some of this other information is so critical that you need to hear it. In the body, downstairs in the body, out of your brain now, sleep restocks the armory of our immune system, helping fight malignancy, cancer, preventing infection, and warding off all manner of sickness. Sleep reforms the body's metabolic state by fine-tuning the balance of insulin and circulating glucose. 
These are things that are really important to people who struggle with weight. Sleep further regulates our appetite, helping control body weight through healthy food selection rather than rash impulsivity. So when we're sleep deprived, there's more impulsivity. Impulsive eating is usually not the healthiest kind, right? Meaning lack of sleep does affect weight. Plentiful sleep maintains a flourishing microbiome within your gut, which we've heard a lot about in recent years, from which we know so much of our nutritional health begins, our gut biome. Adequate sleep is intimately tied to the fitness of our cardiovascular system, lowering blood pressure while keeping our hearts in fine condition. I'm going to read some stuff about heart stuff here pretty soon because it's really profound about heart attacks, strokes, and sleep. Let me see if I can find that. Well, I'll find it. It's coming up. But suffice it to say that it scared the bejesus out of me because I already have high blood pressure. And think about how many of the bariatric patients, maybe you, struggle with heart issues already, struggle with blood pressure issues already. Crazy how many heart attacks are induced by a lack of sleep. And we'll get to that in a little bit. Okay. Okay, a lot of bariatric patients also have sleep disorders. So sometimes, you know, you you hear about next day fatigue and being sleepy during the day. And this can still occur because maybe you have an undiagnosed sleep disorder, right? And there are now more than 100 sleep disorders that are known. The most common is insomnia, followed by sleep apnea. So many of our bariatric patients have sleep apnea. So if you think that your your sleep or anybody you love is not the best and they have daytime fatigue, some kind of impairment or distress, talk to the doctor and immediately seek a sleep specialist because most important in this regard, do not seek sleeping pills as your first option. So what they're finding is that there are so many sleeping disorders and now they know that this lack of good sleep is related to blood sugar levels, to heart attacks, to strokes, to cancer. And so it's critical. A lot of people are like, ah, eh, sleep apnea, whatever. I'm not sleeping with that machine. Sleep with that machine. Sleep is unbelievably critical, not just in relation to your weight, but in relation to every organism in your body. Let's talk about caffeine for a minute because a lot of people are big caffeine users, right? I love this quote. Caffeine is not a food supplement. Rather, caffeine is the most widely used and abused psychoactive stimulant in the world. One we often give to our children without even thinking about it, right? It's in chocolate. It's in sodas. It's in obviously coffee. All right, listen to this. Caffeine has an average half-life of five to seven hours. Let's say you have a cup of coffee after your evening dinner around 7.30 p.m. This means that at 1.30 a.m., 
50% of that caffeine may still be active and circulating through your brain tissue. In other words, by 1.30 a.m., you're only halfway to completing the job of cleansing your brain of the caffeine you drank at dinner. So it's, you know, I'm one of those people, I'll swear, I can have a, a cup of coffee, go right to sleep. Doesn't make it good sleep, right? It means it's disrupted sleep because that caffeine stays in your your brain for a long, long, long time. Caffeine, which is not only prevalent in coffee, certain teas, and many energy drinks, but also foods such as dark chocolate and ice cream, as well as drugs such as weight loss pills and pain relievers, is one of the most common culprits that keep people from falling asleep easily and sleeping soundly. Uh, thereafter, typically masquerading as insomnia, which is an actual medical condition. Also be aware that decaffeinated does not mean non-caffeinated. One cup of decaf usually contains 15 to 30% of the dose of a regular cup of coffee, which is far from caffeine-free. Should you drink three to four cups of decaf in the evening, it is just as damaging to your sleep as one regular cup of coffee. Ouch. Okay, here's that question that I talked about. First, after waking up in the morning, could you fall back asleep at 10 or 11 a.m.? Absolutely. If the answer is yes, you are likely not getting sufficient sleep quantity and or quality. Second, can you function optimally without caffeine before noon? If the answer is no, then you are most likely self-medicating your state of chronic sleep deprivation. Ouch. I think this is a, a syndrome, a problem for the vast majority of us. Now, let's talk about alcohol. Sorry, but first of all, as a post-op, alcohol is super dangerous as one drink equals three. And within five minutes, people can be legally intoxicated. So what is the recommendation when it comes to sleep and alcohol? It is hard not to sound puritanical. This is the author speaking. But the evidence is so strong regarding alcohol's harmful effects on sleep that to do otherwise would be doing you and the science a disservice. Many people enjoy a glass of wine with dinner, even an aperitif thereafter. But it takes your liver and kidneys many hours to degrade and excrete that alcohol, even if you are an individual with fast-acting enzymes for ethanol decomposition. Nightly alcohol will disrupt your sleep and the annoying advice of abstinence is the best and most honest I can offer. Just saying. You know, I don't know what people's obsession with alcohol is, but it's not healthy for your, for your body. It's just not healthy, especially if you're a post-op. So be cautious, be cautious with alcohol. Not only is it disruptive to your insides, it's empty calories. It blows my mind. No bariatric dietitian would say, sure, go ahead, eat three, four, five, six cookies. All those empty calories aren't going to hurt you. And no bariatric dietitian would say, sure, go have three, four, five drinks of empty calories either. Be wise, you guys. This is your health you're talking about. All right. 
Here's an insulin-related issue, and a lot of you already have insulin-related issues. After participants had been restricted to four to five hours of sleep for a week, this is in a study, the cells of these tired individuals had become far less receptive to insulin. So if you've got insulin issues already, getting fewer, getting less sleep than you need is really, really not good. Now, here's the weight-related stuff in particular. When your sleep becomes short, you will gain weight. That's how he puts it. When your sleep becomes short, you will gain weight. The encouraging news, says Matthew Walker, author of Why We Sleep, is that getting enough sleep will help you control body weight. Here's the deal. The less you sleep, the more likely you are to eat. In addition, your body becomes unable to manage those calories effectively, especially the concentrations of sugar in your blood. In these two ways, Sleeping less than seven or eight hours a night will increase your probability of gaining weight, being overweight, or being obese, and significantly increases your likelihood of developing type 2 diabetes. So when you think about your weight, think also about your sleep patterns over the last many years. Because if we can work on our sleep, we are going to not only increase our chances at maintaining a healthier weight, but we're also going to increase or decrease the likelihood of having strokes, heart attacks, other forms of cancer, and messing even more with the insulin. The less you sleep, the more likely you are to eat, right? So check this out. He repeats this. Um, the global health cost of diabetes is 300 and $75 billion a year. The global health cost of obesity is more than $2 trillion a year. Yet, the underslept individual, the cost to health, quality of life, and a hastened arrival of death are more meaningful precisely how a lack of sleep sets you on a path toward diabetes and leads to obesity is now well understood and incontrovertible. You can't deny it. There's enough science to say you can argue all you want, but that is the truth. Here's a research study they did. Let's say you choose to go on a strict low-calorie diet for two weeks in the hopes of losing fat and looking more trim and toned as a consequence. That's precisely what researchers did to a group of overweight men and women who stayed in a medical center for an entire fortnight. I don't know how long a fortnight is. However, one group of individuals were given just five and a half hours time in bed, while the other group were offered eight and a half hours time in bed. Although weight loss occurred in both conditions, in both groups, the type of weight loss came from very different sources. Listen to this. When given just five and a half hours of sleep, more than 70% of the pounds, pounds lost came from lean body mass. You don't want to lose that. It's muscle, not fat. Switch to the group offered eight and a half hours of time in bed each night, and a far more desirable outcome was observed, with well over 50% of weight loss coming from fat while preserving muscle. When you're not getting enough sleep, the body becomes especially stingy 
about giving up fat. Instead, muscle mass is depleted while fat is retained. Lean and toned is unlikely to be the outcome of dieting when you are cutting sleep short. Yikes, yikes, yikes. All right. So again, the encouraging news is that getting enough sleep will help you control body weight. The upshot of all this work on sleep can be summarized as follows. Short sleep of the type that most adults in first world countries commonly and routinely report will increase hunger and appetite, compromise impulse control within the brain, increase food consumption, especially high calorie foods, decrease feelings of food satisfaction after eating and prevent effective weight loss when dieting. So if you want to burn more fat and get more sleep, you can do it at the same time. That is phenomenal news if you ask me, right? So that's what I have today. And I think this is absolutely, unbelievably critical, important information. So share it with everybody. Please encourage your friends and all those you know who don't get enough sleep to listen to this podcast, whether they've had weight loss surgery or not, because this is critical information for your health and your life. All right, friends, I will see you later in the week on Berry Aftercare. Thank you for spending time with me and my rashed up face. It is itchy. All right. See you next time. And remember, your health is your responsibility this day and every day. And to get a complete look at the entire Berry Aftercare program, which I have great things coming for you later this next couple of months, many more sources of information, go to www.berryaftercare.com. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Berry Aftercare, the podcast. The information shared on this podcast is considered psychoeducation and does not constitute therapy or a therapeutic relationship. Be sure to check out all the great information I provide, much of it free, by visiting my website at www.conniestapletonphd.com. Be sure to leave your positive comments for this podcast and listen in next week to learn more ways to live your best post-op life.